on maynard.com.au. Hey, you! Wanna take a bath? It's Bunga Bunga! With Tim Ferguson... Thirty-five is alive, happening, and we're surprising people all around us in this cafe here. Look, we've got props, and it's a very funny prop. We've got an on-air sign, which is a bit of a confusing thing because we're not live or on air. That's right, we are living on air, and we have a sign to prove it. Bunga bunga. bunga. Coming to you live from the Madame Fru Fru Cafe here in wonderful Glebe Point Road. We've wheeled Tim in here. It's all been happening. The screenwriting motorcyclist of Glebe has driven off by this stage to go and work in his fourth job. What do you think he's working on? Have you had a look? The unemployed Australian screenwriter of Glebe. What's his latest project? He's working on one death of a single mother. It's got death in it, which just makes it so Australian. I like that device he uses too, where nothing actually happens. Towards the end of the movie, it appears as if something may happen, but the film ends before that happens. Tim with the Doug Anthony also is on stage that you have a fairly dark view of the future. Have you ever actually chilled the audience so much that it's really hard to get them laughing again after you give them the sermon about they're all going to die? Oh, yeah, but we don't care whether Doug Anthony All-Stars. People say, what's it like if nobody laughs? We don't do shows to make people laugh. We're not here for your amusement. We're here to drill you against a wall. And sometimes your response will be the involuntary, irrepressible act of laughter. And that's probably good for you, but we don't care. Bunga Bunga News. Where are you going and when are you doing it, Tim? That's what we want to know here on Bunga Bunga News. I'm going to the toilet, but the great thing about having multiple sclerosis and wearing Depends is I can do that anywhere. I can do it right now. Sit with me. In terms of the Doug Anthony All-Stars, we're going to Edinburgh. It's now confirmed we're going to be playing the Edinburgh Festival and somewhere in London. The coffee's just arrived here. A very busy Madame Fru-Fru today. Hello, mate. How are you guys? Packed full of people. Mate, it is. You like our on-air sign? You look amazing. The dates for London, have they been announced yet? We don't know, but it will be before Edinburgh. So we'll go over, we'll smash London up a bit and then head north. We're playing for the entire festival. Last time we did, I think, two weeks. Because it all was sold out before we arrived, we thought, why not be greedy? We'll be at the Pleasants if you're going to be there. You better buy a ticket now, because it will all sell out. We interrupt this news break for a coffee break. caught stealing once when I was five. I enjoy stealing. It's just as simple as that. Well, it's just a simple fact. When I want something, man, I don't want to pay for it. Well, I walk right through the door. I walk right through the door. Hey, all right, if I get by, it's mine, mine, all mine. And we're back after a little bit of thinking music there. Actually, what do you listen to in the morning when you get up in the morning, Tim? You've got to to do your whole uh, FDR thing when you get up in the morning. What music do you have going on in the background while you're preparing yourself for battle? I just put on the main theme from the Superman movie on high rotation. spend an hour with it in the background and it just gets me going and it also irritates me a little that's my sweet spot whatever happened to the version of take on me by aha played on the tin flute 
Uh, that used to get me going. Oh, it used to drive me crazy. But it became too political for me. Tim's been fighting a Twitter war with some very unlikely people. I got a dashed phone call from you the other day going, Maynard, Maynard, there's this guy called Felipe who claims he's the Indian in the village people. Is this bullshit? No, that is actually the real village person you're talking to there. So how did you start a fight with the Indian from village people? That's a great story, Maynard. But <laughs> um, well, what happened was, Erica Betts went on some TV show and said that a lot of gay men become straight men. They just need to meet the right person. And so I started doing a few humorous tweets that Freddie Mercury was a well-known tit man and that George Michael, it was all about the pussy. And I also threw in Erica Betts claims that the village people just need to meet the right girls. And the next thing you know, Felipe from the village people is tweeting me, calling me close-minded because he's American, so he didn't understand that it wasn't real. It's hard to believe Erica Betts is real, but he is real. How did it end up? Did you kiss and make up with Felipe or what? Because, I mean, Felipe is a top guy. Both him and David Hodo, the construction worker, who doesn't play with them anymore. They've got a new construction worker. They were the linchpins of the whole thing. Did you make up with him? Because when they come, like, you could be on their banned list. Village people could ban you, Tim. Hey, how you doing? It's Felipe, a Native American Indian from the village people, and I'm sitting here having breakfast with Maynard. That's right. So I was very quick to say, no, it was just a joke. I love village people. I think the village people are great. I want village people to take me off the band list because nobody wants to be on that list. Were you more of a big fan of their version of Just a Gigolo? Yeah, I thought that was new, it was fresh, and it was, it's only a gigolo. I'm just a gigolo, gigolo. and everywhere I go, gigolo. people gigolo. know the part I'm playing. Pay for every day, gigolo. selling each romance. Gigolo. Oh, gigolo. what they're saying. Gigolo. Gigolo. And there will come a day, and you will pass away. Well, 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 what will they say about me? When the end comes, I know they'll say just a gigolo. Life goes on without me. Cause I ain't got nobody. Village people, you don't want to cross them. The pivotal scene in Can't Stop the Music where the leather man sings Danny Boy. Do you think there's a subtext going on there? Oh, Danny Boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. From glen to glen and down the mountainside. Oh my God, I've just thought about that, Maynard. This is why I have to hang around you, otherwise <laughs> I would never be able to see those things. It's a metaphor. Oh, daddy boy, I love you. Tim, I actually confused you with a text this week, didn't I? You were going, this text from Maynard makes no sense whatsoever the other night. Yeah, I was sitting there and of course it went off and it's got a special alarm when you text me, which is Aruga. <laughs> and I heard this and I looked at it because, well, you tell me what it said. I just text, UK election called. And I thought, oh, the punchline will be something like they went their bow tie back. And I waited and waited and waited. And then I thought, this is odd. And so I switched on the television. And sure enough, the UK election had called and they did want their bow tie back. How sad must your life have become, Tim, when current events, breaking news you're getting from me? 
Breaking news, Tim, my jug won't boil. The Doug Anthony's brand new show, and it's called, a working title, It's Not You, It's Us. It explores a very delicate journey that Doug Anthony all starts getting older and angrier, but also we're bringing to play a song called The Whistle Song. This is a very powerful, unforgiving piece of music. This has actually got its own hashtag. You've actually started hashtagging a song that people haven't heard yet. Yeah, it's a song that breaches all of the tenets of 18C. It is offensive, it's humiliating, and also it's the third thing. I can't remember what that is. Brown. It's brown, and also it's harassment, but we're going to do this song with all of its power. If you've ever seen the Doug Anthony All-Stars, when I say this song crosses a lot of lines, you'll know what I mean. If you haven't seen us, you mightn't be able to cope with a whistle song. So I will give you a special wink when we're about to do it, and you can quietly leave the theatre for five minutes. Do not look back. Have you cut it back from that brief three-and-a-half-hour opus you were doing? Well, we did enjoy doing that really big show. Alfred Hitchcock said, a movie should not outlast the endurance of the human bladder. And we decided to push this principle. This show will be probably within the two-hour mark, but it will be an endurance test, not only for the audience, but for the three poor old men. At least I'm sitting on, on a wheelchair. The word is that Paul Livingston has got, got a note from his doctor. He's apparently he, he's pulled a bit of a union rule, a work-to-rule campaign, where he is either going to sing or play the guitar and refuses to do both at the same time. What's going on, Tim? Yeah, he refuses to do both. And, you know, he's quite obstinate. That's one of the great powers he has... I don't like to push it because, well, it's Flacco. It's half of Flacco. Yeah, he will not sing and he will not speak, partly because of union, partly because of disinterest. And how's McDermott going with the show at the moment? I've got to say, when I see you guys on stage, he does look very happy on stage. Is it an act? No, Paul McDermott's actually very happy. It's one of the great secrets, and we're revealing it here. And why wouldn't you be with a man with that much... Why would you ever lie awake and worry about anything? Anyone can listen to any of Paul's stuff from any time in your career, and that voice is just stunning. Looking from a window above, it's a story of love. Can you hear me? Came back early yesterday, I'm moving further away. Won't you need? it's not that good. Check out the Doug Anthony All-Stars and I have paid an inordinate amount of money for a ticket to see Alison Moyet when she comes out in October. I can only afford the one ticket. Yeah, she's definitely worth it. That is money well spent. Of course, Alison Moyet was half of Yazoo. They had situations. Do I dress for every situation Moving through the doorway of a nation Pick me up and shake the down Of course, she went solo in 84, Invisible.
of resurrection. will be at the concert, do you think? I think it'll be myself and a lot of really excited, nostalgic lesbians. That's their permanent state, isn't it? Looking back. It's going to be great, because I've sort of got seats towards the front there, so I'll have arms around the sisters and we'll be singing along and going, you were done wrong. I'm a lesbian who is reconciled with the flawed activities of my past. I look back upon them fondly, but I see them for what they are. <laughs> Basically, let's call it what it is, heterosexual activity. Boom! Let's open the crank mail. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. Tim, there seems to be some kind of animal urinating there. Well, you would think it's an animal, but it's actually a person. Wow, who is it? It is Barnaby Joyce. Because when you've got to go, you've got to go. And Barnaby, you've really got to go. Cinderella had a, a question about Fifty Shades of Grey. Could you uh, sum up the movie and what you thought of Fifty Shades of Grey? And, of course, the follow-up, which was greyer than grey-grey. Greyer than grey-grey is a lot better than the first film. The first film is like, oh, look, what's that? Oh, it's a clitoris, look what I found in the bed. It's all a bit like, really, this is excitement? But the second movie has a lot more story. It's got narrative turns. It's got competing influences of different men in this main character's life. It's quite a fun watch. Although I've got to say, saying, oh, the balls buzz and I put them in me. And then having them buzz at a dinner party where we're supposed to be tantalised and curious. People think it was a doorbell. It's just like, I've got those things on at all times because I've got MS. It was pointed out to me during the week that very disappointed with, she said, oh yeah, but you never get really hot, good looking masters like that in real life. And I guess, well, it's a movie, Tim. Yeah, it's a movie. And also, no actor is that good at sex. They just aren't, because they're actors. They lose interest. If they're not doing it in front of a mirror, you're not going to get much out of the actor after the first three minutes. Have you thought of maybe getting a teleprompter for them, Tim? That would be good. Just give them the lines. Ooh, yeah. Oh, you like that. Oh, it's too tight. It's too big. Or it's too long. Or it's too. Thank you, Cinderella Eva. Crank mail. Sue Wilden writes... What instruments would you both have played while Rome burned, Tim? Obviously, I would play the trombone. 
I would be cutting loose with the trombone while you had a five alarm fire going. What would you be playing, Tim? Well, to take people's mind off it, you wouldn't so much want to make them relax. You want to make them irritated so they get up and run. Bagpipes while Rome burns. Bagpipes galore. I'd get a whole flotilla of them all playing the theme from Braveheart. In fact, that can be our sound effect request right now. Here's the sound of Tim Ferguson playing bagpipes just right next to Nero as Rome burned. Listen to this. Yeah, it's certainly getting those people moving, Tim. I can't believe they still have that in the sound library. Crank mail! Rob Darby writes... How's he going? He's still alive? Going fine. When is Tim going to fix this crazy mixed-up world once and for all? It's underway. It's happening as we speak. I was watching David Attenborough last night talking about the ocean rising and that we're going to be 60 metres under the water in 100 years. And I thought, well, that's got to be stopped. So what I'm doing is I'm stopping it. I'm going to go to Antarctica with a refrigerator that I will leave on at all times. Crank mail. Lindley Kissick, our favourite postie from Melbourne. Yeah, love Lindley. She asked, how come Attila wasn't a honey? Attila the Hun has always been tricky because he was just so chatty. And talk about grabby and needy. He was so grabby. I want that. I want that. Crank mail. Mark O'Brien writes, What principal element allows people to get away with it? Pick two major bad world leaders an example of people getting away with it and discuss how they're getting away with it using their hairstyle. You just blame it on the last person, no matter what it is. Even if it's murder, you say, yeah, well, maybe I did commit the murder, but the murder before me was way worse. What do you reckon is going on with Trump's hair there? It is amazing how it's it's like beyond anything Ray Martin could ever dream of. Yeah, I think Trump's hair is trying to escape. You see in the wind, it's like it's trying to get off, but it's glued down that stuff. The poor old president has had great difficulties with his hair, with his brain, and of course, now he's got to run, what's it called, oh yeah, the world, and the hair isn't helping. So as soon as he started a war, everybody went, ah, he's okay. It's amazing what he can do with just one knee. He's got a malfunctioning knee, which means he knee jerks all the time. So when someone says, quick, something bad happened, he says, let's bomb them. He says, I'm keeping the plan secret, which is a good idea, because he's a blabbermouth. He went on television and said that submarines are making their way to North Korea. Now, this is all very well. There's a reason we keep them in the water submarine. It's because they're secret. A captain of a submarine headed to North Korea was heard to say, and that was him doing his job. Wasn't a North Korean parade pretty special, but all that goose stepping, and every time they cut to Il Jong-ul, he was looking at the monitor and you could just see on his face, am I on, am I on? He had that sort of look all the time. Very media savvy. I love the way they goose step. We could maybe get five feet throwing our legs up with such precision. But when you see a thousand North Korean women marching like that, there is something irresistibly sexy about it. Sorry to objectify them. And Peter Young sends us some crank mail from way out in regional New South Wales there, and he wants to know, because they were in Sydney recently, what's your favourite Madness song, Tim? Oh, I liked Madness. The actual track itself was good, it was uppity, gets you going. Madness, madness, they call it madness. Madness, madness, they call it madness. 
I'm about to explain it. I bet someone is losing their brain. They madness, madness, I call it that. Of course, ska music is best left to car commercials these days for those inner city whippy cars put on a bit of scar otherwise it's got no nutritional value musically at all i think lyrically one of their greatest triumphs was night boat to cairo if you follow the lyrics basically a guy drifts towards the shoreline in a boat tries to paddle the paddle snaps and he floats off into the distance that's just some total of the song it's just trying to say with that Tim. Strengthen your paddles. Good point Tim. One last one from Chris Norris here. Which Australian performers should visitors to Australia be able to recognise by their videos? Maybe Melissa? Melissa Counts. Christopher. Christopher Christaberg, people would go, who, what, until they see Lady in Red. Is dancing with me. Yeah, as soon as you see that on the videotape, you know you're dealing with Chris. Close up the crank mail, Tim. Close it up, Maynard, close it up. Crank mail, crank mail, crank mail. And we're just here at the, uh, the Madame Fru Cafe, and who should blow through but Mr Skeptic himself, Richard Saunders. How are you, Richard? Richard Saunders! I'm sceptical. Richard's working on a project at the moment. He's spending a lot of time in the State Library, Tim, because he is looking at psychic predictions from women's magazines going back to when? Uh, the year 2000. So how many predictions have you got so far? 1,500 at the moment. By the end of the project, we hope to have over 2,000. And Richard, I guess by now you're eating your words as a sceptic. <laughs> <laughs> what star sign are you, by the way, Tim? Well, I'm Sexy Scorpio. That's right. I'm Sexy Scorpio, and I'd like to meet, well, fucking anybody. Because Scorpio, that's the most murdered star sign. Yes, we are the most murdered <laughs> because we like to meet everybody. And as someone who's been going through women's magazines mm -hmm. in Australia going back to 2000s, were the undies ads any better back in the day? Yeah, but I remember an undies ad in the early 70s that was popular in women's magazines because it took my eye at the time because I was a big fan of Zorro. Out of the night when the full moon is bright comes a horseman known as Zorro This bold renegade carves a Z with his blade a Z that stands for Zorro So some advertiser took it upon themselves to advertise probably underwear, having three underwear-clad women with Zorro standing next to them with his sword. Zorro, Zorro, the box so cunning. 
loving and free. There was that anteater one, the ants pants one, where the anteater was pretty much going down on the girl. Sikkim Rex. Ants pants with the hottest model in underpants. Sikkim Rex. <laughs> I wasn't really in it for the anteater. It was just her carelessness in letting an anteater in the bed. But there was something about that that still remains sexy. If you haven't seen that ad, that's why you don't crave to buy those pants. The other one, of course, was, guess what? I'm wearing no knickers. There's a guy playing the piano in the yeah. wood, and she was saying, I'm wearing no knickers, and she lifts up her skirt to show that she's wearing a brand of underwear called no knickers, and the guy playing the piano falls off the piano. Guess what? I think I'm wearing no knickers. I'm really in a spot. These new ones are so comfortable, I can't tell if they're on or not. I think I'm wearing no knickers. The trouble is, you see, they're now so smooth and silky, they feel, well, just like me. I think I'm wearing no knickers. Just let me check to be sure. Oh, I am wearing no knickers. More comfortable than ever before. I think that's what I can expect to see on stage was Alison Moyet, I think. I went out and bought a pair, but it clearly <laughs> looked like I was wearing knickers. It's time for my bug-out bag. Yes. Uh, what is a bug-out bag? Well, you know when you've got a bug-out and you've got to do it fast? <laughs> Say this, uh, Donald Trump gets elected, you've got to get out of town, you need a bug-out bag. Well, that's why we have Maynard's bug-out bag. <laughs> This was given to me by my father when I was of age because he won this book in an outside deep sea fishing contest. Him and his deep sea mates would go out off Newcastle, fish, and he got the biggest fish and he won this. It's called Best News by Andre de Dien. Oh my God. Oh, it's got boobies. It's from the 50s, so it's sort of nudie girls masquerading as art. But how would you describe these nudes and the models? Better than they look today, how I would describe them. It's really quite racy. It's hard to believe that a book like this was allowable. As a kid, he used to hide it from me. This was considered an incredibly racy book. I guess it's a real stag book. Here's the biggest fish, you get the nude book. <laughs> they shoot around all of the important pieces of the human anatomy. It's twee, it's nice. It's not really hot anymore because we're used to a lot more than seeing just a lady standing around on a beach. <laughs> Blowing away a fly. That's in my bug out bag, but you never know when you're going to need that kind of thing, Tim. Oh, you always need a bug out bag. I think we should thank some Patreons. These are the people who keep the wheels on the bus. These are the people who keep the whole thing going. These are the people who keep me in the pills. Thank you so much, our Patreon, Lindsay Kizik. I'd like to thank Panda Paws, Nick Andrew, Andrew Waddington, Peter Young, Patricia McIntosh, who has to update her details on Patreon, Richard Wright, James Trevina, Norman Fox. He's got a book coming out soon. Keep an eye out for Norman Fox's book. Gregory Duralis, Mel Whedon, uh, Mark O'Brien, Andy Zagani, uh, Christy Shields, F. Carmichael. There's that word again. If you want to talk like that, go for it. Daniel, Natasha Critter, Jeremy Kirkwood, Spud, who I believe is a Dalmatian, Emily Short, Grant McHeron, Rachel Dunlop, Dr. Rachie, Craig Walker, Howard Levatt, Shell Lancaster, Katie, Jeanette, Katrina, Danny, John, thank you, John, Leonie Lynch, Mark Kirby, Belinda Pierce, Nick McCarty, Dana H, David Hickey, Sinferella Eva, Rebecca Jones, who likes peanuts, Sue Wilden, Sammy Satine, Daryl Adams, thank you all very much. Daryl Adams keeps me going because 
I need to be constantly put down because I spend most of my day building myself up and I need to have my feelings smashed by someone I've never met in my life. He's always busting our chops on Twitter. Check him out. We thank our patrons for getting us going and look, maybe ask a friend to become a patron and help support the whole thing. Mano's got to put it all together so any Patreon is very welcome. Now it's time for Tim's Historical Hypothetical, where we put the great Tim Ferguson into a place in history and ask, so, what would you have done, smartass? I can do this, no problem. Lay down, misere. Hit me. The place, the Korean Peninsula. Okay, we're not doing this. The year 1953. Well, and I'm back in. That's one of my favourite years. You are President Ri Sing Man of South Korea. Your capital Seoul has been absolutely trashed and flattened three times, once by MacArthur. You think, OK, I think we'll have to have the new capital. Do you put it 50 kilometres from the North Korean border as it is now, or do you think about maybe putting the capital of South Korea somewhere else? I think in the North Island of Japan is the <laughs> safest place. It's what everybody wanted anyway, and a lot of the problems would have been solved if Pyongyang just became Hokkaido. Would you rename it, or is Seoul a good name? Oh, I would call it the capital of Korea, just so everybody was fooled. What about a flag? Something different on the flag? Yeah, a donut. Because everybody likes donuts. Tim Ferguson's historical hypothetical, asking Tim what he would have done and how different the world would be today. I'd put a kangaroo on that flag, Maynard. I'd just put in a kangaroo just to baffle the Americans. Tim, uh, I know that you and Kitley, your cat, often sit on the couch watching Sky News till, till late in the night, and you and Kitler really enjoyed that big bomb they set off. The Moab, they call it. The mother of all bombs. Mother of all bombs. And I, I'd like to apologise to all mothers, because some of them have had worse bombs than that thing going off. <laughs> You've obviously put some thought into where you would drop that in Australia. Oh, yeah. Just for tourism alone, I'd get rid of Uluru. It's in the way. You have a perfect view. You go out there, Alice Springs, go out to Uluru, and normally you can see for thousands of miles. Flat, unbroken, and there's this great bloody rock. Get rid of Uluru. It's not that sacred. Arms around Australia, Tim. Arms around Australia. It, it's a rock, and I know it's sacred to some people, and good on them. I don't have any respect for anybody's culture. I don't respect Western culture, Australian culture. I don't respect any culture from anywhere in the world. It's just an agreed set of behaviours. We've just come through Easter, and I've got to say, Jehovah, what a bastard. So obviously the Doug Anthony All-Stars are the Holy Trinity, so who is who in the Holy Trinity? Well, exactly. It's hard to know. Paul McDermott would be the God. Quite clear that Paul Livingston is the Holy Ghost. Well, certainly Paul McDermott is a non-stop martyr. I mean, <laughs> he carries a cross round with him at all times. But Livingston would be God because he doesn't really talk to any party. I, I suppose I would be the Holy Ghost just because I'm everywhere, but I am strangely ineffectual. <laughs> it's time for Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question that nobody asked. Don't expect too much. Tony Abbott has asked for people in the Liberal Party caucus to stop the leaking. It's a proven pattern for Australian ex-Prime Ministers who stay in the Parliament to want to have that job and leaking's the best way to get it. So, Tony, please, keep the leaking. 
We need a new Prime Minister every six months in this country so that we can have some kind of assurance that things will not change. Tell me, who do you think is going to win the UK election and by how much? I think democracy will win. <laughs> the Tories will win. Of course, they'll win because people can't help themselves but be conservative at times of great stress and worry. If you've just jumped off a cliff, you want to grab the heaviest rock available. Tim Ferguson's right of reply to a question nobody asked. Don't expect too much. If you like reading the news, but you don't want to have to pay anybody for it, get on to thenewdaily.com. Thenewdaily.com is a great newspaper, and it's got great politics, great commentary, all the stories you need. And also look out for my new column at the new weekly fake news you can trust. Thenewdaily.com. Want to take a bath? We're going to wash Tim's mouth out with soap now and say hooray for Bunga Bunga. I've been Mino. I've been Tim Ferguson. Bunga Bunga.
fist mean on maynard.com.au. AU! Bryson and Hume. Everything digital.